Good stuff. We are talking today. We have bumped back a week. Our, uh, our, our topic last Sunday was Valentine's Day, of course, and our plan was to have this discussion where uh, Steve and I would come and bring those who make us look a lot better than we do by ourselves with us. And so we pushed that back a week, and we're going to talk a little bit today about what is true love. What does that look like? Uh, before we jump into that, something I just want to mention, uh, you're going to hear more about this as we get into it a little bit later on. But uh, one of the ways that we express true love is by caring for each other. And it's been incredible to see how people within the body of Christ have come together to help care for each other this week. Our hearts are heavy. I know your heart is heavy uh, for those that are struggling right now, those that uh, you know, maybe have had some significant issues, um, damage in their homes, water damage, been without heat, all those kinds of things. So just say, if you are aware of those things and know this, please let us know because our heart as a church is how do we you know, how do we love our community through this? How do we help? So we want to do that. But we also want to take the opportunity uh, to come back and uh, touch on a little bit with something that I think will fit in well uh, as we're talking about what true love is uh, to, to what we had planned to do last week. So here's the cool part. I mean, it's amazing that we have these beautiful ladies on the stage with us. That's awesome. And then add on top of that. Yes, we can go ahead and clap. For, please go ahead and clap for them. I'll just... Well, I won't say that. I'll just say I'm glad that they're here. And I will introduce somebody else that's going to be a part of helping us to guide us through today. We have the love doctor himself, Taylor Wade, that is with us. So, Taylor, come on out here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo! Man, I feel like the 8 a.m. people are more excited to see me than right now. Wow, that's crazy. You're looking good, Taylor. um, You know, it's been a long time since I've been referred to as the love doctor. Um, Okay, nobody believes that. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Um, No, 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 no. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad that we get to be here. Glad we get to do this. Excited um, just to walk through true love and and talk about those things. Um, But before we hop in, before we hop in, we have a little challenge for you, okay? So if you're here, if you're watching online, grab your phone, be ready. You're going to text the word love to the number on the screen. I'm going to ask you, or I'm going to give you a statement that one of these four have said, okay? One of these four have said it um, about either their engagement or their wedding, and you need to guess who it was, okay? So you're gonna text the word love to the number on the screen, you're gonna get a response, and then you get to tell the name that you think it was. The winner, the first person that texts the right name, you win a gift card, okay? And we will announce the winner and who got the right answer, what the right answer was at the end of service. And so, here we go, my trusty little Ooh. That's right. That's right. Whoever's that is doesn't get to go this time. So, next service. Here we go. Here we go. What do we got? I thought my spouse had run away at the altar. I thought my spouse had run away at the altar. That also means that one of these people made their spouse think they were not going to show up. Just, 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 just saying. Um, but who do you think said that? Who do you think thought their spouse had run away at the altar, was not going to show Type that in there, type the word love to the number on the screen and put that in um, and see if you can win a gift card. So again, guys, I'm super glad that we get to get to be here. Is this yours? Would you like that? Thank you. I would like that. I wondered where Uh, it went. I think that's yours too. I don't know. Are you sure, Taylor? (laughs) Um, So anyways, glad glad y'all are here this morning. Glad that we get to do this this morning. Um, And, you know, before we get in there, I'm going to take this off. But um, before we get in, I want to talk to you guys. I think it's I think it's interesting that they asked the uh, 
single guy on staff to ask all the questions, but whatever, <laughs> it's fine. I'm not mad about it or anything. Um, but you know, before we get in, I just wanna I wanna talk to y'all a little bit about um, about true love and, and this love that we find in the Lord and, and what that looks like. And so, um, you know, I want to say, I'm sorry, it's hot in here, um, but I, I do want to say and remind you guys that God loves you deeply. God has this love for us that it, it's it's hard for us to fathom, um, but in his word, in, in scripture, we can read about it and we can hear about it and we can see that. And so just to remind you to start off that God loves you deeply and, and has this desire um, that he wants you to know that and he wants you to see that love. And so, um, and so through that, you know, I'm sure that a lot of us, I'm sure all of us have either gone through a time or maybe you're in this time right now where you're like, man, does God really love me? Like, have you ever asked that question? Does, does God really love me? Or maybe for you, it's this question of, well, can he forgive all that I've done? Like, can he, for, can he really forgive me of everything that I've done to where he can love me the way that people tell me he can? And I'm sure that many of us, I know I've gone through times where I've asked both of those, those questions, right? And so, um, but the good news is the answer to both of those questions is yes, right? He, yes, he does love you. And yes, he, he can and he will forgive you for whatever it is that you've done, if you will turn to him and ask him for that, um, because his love knows no bounds, right? God's love is, is limitless, and it doesn't, it's, it's unconditional. It doesn't stand on what you do or what you don't do, right? And, and so um, and because of this love, because, because of how much he loves us, he sent his son Jesus, right? And Jesus came, lived this perfect, sinless life, died on the cross, so that we could be forgiven of our sins and then rose from the dead so that we could spend eternity with our Father in heaven. And, and so that is just incredible to, to, to see. And so however you feel, whatever you've done, or however un, maybe unlovable that you feel today, whatever doubts you have about yourself and about being good enough, whatever it is that's going on in your, in your head, let me tell you this, that God loves you. And he wants and desires to have a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you. And, and, and you know, our, our relationship with God is the foundation on which every other relationship in our life should be built upon, right? That, that's where it should start. And, and a true relationship with him is by far the best example of true love that we could ever see. The way that God loves and, and the, what, everything that he does for us. And so, you know, when we read passages in scripture, like the one we're going to read today, um, we take this to heart, right? We take this and we, and we see God's, God's vision for, for his relationship with us in this. And, and even though, you know, today it talks about the body of Christ it is kind of the focus of this passage. But even in that, we can still see this, this applies to every relationship we, that we have, especially a marriage relationship, right? And, and so we get to see that. And so let, let's remember that this morning. Let's remember that um, we can apply this to every relationship, and so if you're married and you're here, you're in this room or you're watching online, then you can have some great application from the scripture that we read and what this tells us and also what they're going to share with us today, right? But if you're single like me, right, if you're, if, if you're in that situation and if you're that spot in your life, you can still find incredible ways to love others through the scripture that we read and the things that are shared today. And so I just want to encourage you that no matter where you are in life in this, is, is to hear Okay, 
What does God's love show us about how we treat others, right? Because that's what we're talking about. And remember that love, love is only true love when it's a reflection of God's love for his people. Okay, and so with that said, I'm going to read Philippians 2, 1 through 4 for us real quick, and then, and then we're going to hop into some questions, and uh, I'm just excited to hear their answers and continue to take notes. Like, I took mental notes earlier and going to keep taking them for that one day. Um, so Philippians 2, <laughs> 1 through 4. It's not funny. Um, <laughs> Philippians 2, 1 through 4, it says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy com- complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so right away in verse 1, it talks about this encouragement from being united with Christ. Right? So to go with that, I'm, the first question we have here is, how does, how does the bond that you experience in Christ impact y'all's relationship with one another? Well, I was going to speak to, um, before we got married, when I was in college, um, just going through the dating scene and wanting to have a boyfriend. And uh, as my mom would say, you get your MRS degree, girl. And um, I hated that, by the way. That was a button she would push and she would know it. But um, but true, I would date. And I figured if I was going to find a husband, it was probably going to be in college. It was a good a good uh, fishing pond from which to go. And so, um, but I just remember I'm pretty sure being... I just got called a fish, by the way. But go ahead. I didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey. It's not over. It's not over. Um, but guessing. the um, but the Lord just showed me that you know I need to stop looking for a guy to fill that need for love in me. And I knew that. But when you get in the you know the cycle of dating and you're around others that are dating and in a relationship, and I just remember the Lord just kind of stopping me and telling me, you need to fall in love totally with me. And let me take care of that dating thing. And so I had been through enough that I was like, yeah, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to start focusing on you and what I know that I have known all these years. That you, Lord, when I put you first and the desires of my heart, you know them, that you'll feel that. And uh, it was about a year later, um, I hadn't dated after that very much, uh, that I met Blake. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just before marriage, though, just seeing how mm-hmm. submitting to, to that was really important. Yeah, and it's interesting. I kind of had the same experience of just feeling like God said, stop, you know, no more. Just, yeah, so it's really interesting. We didn't know that about each other at the time, but later we found that out. Uh, so I think that, that bond of, you know, both of us wanting to pursue Christ, we certainly don't do it perfectly, but that does bring you together. But I think it's important to point out, too, I know a lot of folks, that's not how the relationship started. And if that's the case for you, it doesn't mean that it can't become that later on. It doesn't mean that you can't then begin to say, God, you're going to be the most important thing uh, to us and become the most important thing in our relationship. And it's amazing how that draws you together when that happens. And thinking about my marriage with Stephen and how he serves and cares and, and loves me and our kids, it just made me want to be better. His desire to share his faith with people makes me want to do the same. And I've just seen how our relationship has made my relationship with Christ stronger and better. Yeah, I think, you know, drawing that encouragement from being united in Christ, of like she encourages me to pursue 
Christ and make him my priority because that overflow impacts the way I love her. Um, and it doesn't take anything away from how I love her or how I love my kids. It enhances the way that I love her. And, I, and that's one of the things I love about her the most is that she, she encourages me um, to be able to pursue him the way that I'm supposed to. That's awesome. And so I love, I love hearing about that and hearing just how, you know, at first that, you know, first and foremost, we see it's our relationship with the Lord, right? That, that we, we need to be focused on always. And so they talk about that. And, and so they find comfort in God, right? And, and that's where that's found. And so, you know, again, in verse one, it talks about finding comfort in God's love. And so when you do that, and that's where you find your comfort, then how does finding comfort in God's love impact your marriage? I don't look to Stephen to fill what only God can fill. Yeah, you know, I think for me, uh, you know, we learned a lot from the dating stage to, to being engaged and to now being married, and even how I've dealt with conflict um, in our relationship as well, and where early on in our relationship where I would grow frustrated about something, you know, I would completely shut down. And so we handled those frustrations so different where I would give the silent treatment and like she would know that I was upset for days and like five minutes later, she's, she's over it. Um, but the reason why I share that is, is what I've had to learn is drawing that comfort and that grace that God extends to me to be able to extend that same grace into the challenging situations that we have as a, a married couple. And I find on those days when um, I don't fill myself up with God's peace, patience, kindness, comfort, um, that I'm not filled up with him first. It's especially hard for me to overflow that, like you were saying, to Blake or the girls in being a mom. Um, you're kind of just sapped already. And so um, it's not overflowing. It's, you know, digging from the dregs of what you may have had. And you don't really want to do that for your spouse or your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, looking at the comfort that God provides, we, you know, being married is a can be a great source of comfort and sean is an incredible source of comfort to me but like like's been said i think already that's not primarily where we go um you know first and foremost but the last couple of years for our family have, have been very challenging and one for us to be there for each other is huge you know we're able to support each other but more than anything we're both finding comfort in who god is and that brings us together i think more than anything else that's awesome um you know, when we continue in verse one, and it talks about this common, common sharing in the spirit, you know, sometimes this can be a little confusing. And so what is, what does he mean here by common sharing in the spirit? And then what does that look like for, for you guys? I guess I, when I look at that, uh, one of the things that comes to mind, certainly common as in the two of us, but I think it's bigger than that. Um, for, for our family, the common sharing in the spirit is that we have other believers that are a part of our life. You know, we're a part of spiritual community. We talk about that at the church a lot. But I was saying, you know, from the time our girls, literally from the time they were born, they have known nothing other than people are always in our house. We're always in others' house. We're doing stuff together. Um, that's just what life looks like for our family is that there are relationships with other believers and we do things together. And I, I think that's been huge for us, you know, having those relationships. I just love seeing um, other moms. We have two daughters and other moms pour into our girls. And I will tell told the girls something or an opinion about, you know, what to do or what not to do, you know, and it goes in one ear and out the other. But if one of these friends of ours that is like their aunt or just a close friend from church 
says the same thing, I'll ever hear that, and I'm like, yeah, preach it, girl, preach it, to, the, to our daughters. Because and they will listen, think man. that was the best thing they've ever heard, and they will apply it, um, you know, most times. But coming from them, so I'm like, yes, that gospel community, I like to call it, is so valuable, has been so valuable in just raising our kids. Not to mention it gives them an outlet, so when they're mad at mom and dad, <laughs> yes. especially when Stephen was their youth pastor, they would call him to complain about their parents. So you got to hear about I know all Blake's parenting fails. Yes, yes. So. there yes, are many. For sure. <laughs> there are many. But payback's coming. I got three kids coming no, your I way. I can't wait. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So, you know, and we, we talk about this, and so we talk about this gospel community, right? I love, I love that and how we, you know, live life not just y'all together and y'all together, but we walk with the body of believers. And so that's, I love just hearing about that and making that a consistent thing. Um, so here's, this is, a, this is a fun question. And I know the answer to this one, but the question I have here is talking about still in verse one, talks about tenderness and compassion. So the question is, is it ever hard to have tenderness and compassion for one another? And I'm going to answer for everyone. It's yes. Right. I think all of us can agree. Maybe not Blake. He's very compassionate. Uh, but right, it, it's hard. And so we know that that is hard. And so maybe better question is, what do you do when it's hard to show tenderness and compassion to the other? I've just got to say, Stephen is dying to answer this question. So when I'll I saw this question on, on the sheet, I was like, I can't wait to share with the entire church about this. Um, but there's, there's two things that I'm not allowed to do in my house. And that's number one, um, I can't be sick ever. Like I'm not allowed to be sick. I told coronavirus last March, like it's just, I can't be sick. My wife won't allow me. So, you know, it, it, it is not going to happen. And number two is I can't be tired. Um, I'm never allowed to take a nap, and when I do take a nap, that's time to pull out the vacuum cleaner, pull out all the kids' musical instruments. Especially with twin boys, yeah. keyword boys, and a one-year-old. Yeah, so no this, sleep. There, there's, no, there's sleep. no time for being sick, and there's no time for, for being tired. And it comes from, like, I grew up in a house where my grandmother raised me, and whenever I was sick, I would get anything I wanted. I would just ring the bell and she would come to serve me. And now it's like I could ring that bell for days and all I get is sprayed with Lysol. I kind of want to see you try ringing that bell sometime and just yeah. see what happens. It would Can not you video go, that? It would not go well. But where she does give tenderness and compassion with what I do as, as the way I serve the Lord is that she comes, comes alongside of me and serves with me and encourages me to keep doing the things that I'm doing even though it's long hours and, and it's calls in the middle of the night a lot of times and it's going to to take time away from my family to go go and help people and she's always there to encourage and support me so where I, I might not be able to be sick and take a nap I'm always encouraged to be able to serve the Lord to the best of my ability I like that. I'm, I'm waiting to see if there's any kind of response over there at um, all like I am working on this I love it I, uh, I've inherited this trait, um, <laughs> but I know with watching him and how he handles things when I'm sick or when I need a nap or a break, that's helped me in turn to be more gracious when he needs the break or the nap or is sick. My poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And so, you know, it, it is hard, right? And, and we know that. And so, you know, find some encouragement in the fact that, you know, Sometimes you just, you got to keep practicing and keep getting better, and you have to encourage the other person to do so. Um, and so, you know, and so in these first two verses, we're kind of told about, you know, hey, have these things, right? Do these things. And then in three and four, kind of told, 
don't do this, right? So in verses 3 and 4, we're told to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility to value others ahead of ourselves and put their interests ahead of ours. You guys, I know for a fact that this one is hard. This is hard for the body of Christ to do just in general. Like it's, it's hard to do in marriages. It's hard to do in friendships, in dating relationships. It's, it's difficult. And I see people struggle with all this all the time. And I struggle with this all the time of putting others before myself and not being selfish. Right. And so um, for you guys, when is this most difficult um, to, to, to put your spouse's needs ahead of your own? All the time. <laughs> We've got plans, expectations, things that um, I want to get done, and I start focusing on myself and have to really work on being less selfish. Yeah, I think for me, it, it really kind of ties into the question before, too, you know, the tenderness and compassion piece, because being less selfish is being more compassionate. It's, it's, it's learning to put aside differences, I guess, because, um, you know, we're, we're different. And most of the time, my experience tells me that in most marriages, the, the couples are not exactly alike. They tend to have quite significant differences. And, and I look at that and, and remind myself and try to remind others, God didn't put you together to frustrate you, but to complete you. You know, it gives us different uh, viewpoints and different things. But I, just thinking through that, like, you know, we process differently. Sean is a verbal processor, which means that everything gets read out loud. And I don't want to hear every text message read out loud. You know, I just don't, but I get to. And, but that's a difference, right? And, and everything, and, but, but here's where it comes back to me. The putting the interests of others ahead of yourself. I need to put aside my natural way of, because my processing typically is, you know, I'll figure it out, let me get by myself, and I'll come up with a solution, and then maybe we can talk about it or whatever. That's not, it, there's an arrogance there sometimes of, I don't need, you know, I've got it figured out that's not the right way to approach it, right? It's to, to, to put the interest of others ahead of my own is to say, okay, if this is the way God has wired her and this is a need, then I need to, to feed into that, you know? Yeah, that's good. And so, you know, we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but I want us to clarify a little bit more, like what has helped you move along in this of being able to put yourself aside and others before yourself? What, what has helped you do that? Knowing that it's not about me, that Jesus came um, to, to serve, not to be served. And that's how I should live, is to not be served, but to serve. And knowing my purpose here is to glorify God and make his name known. And um, even seeing it with kids, it's not about me. You know, I'm, I'm taking care of them and seeing, you know, my kids seeing that too, um, that it's not about me. You bring up the best point that, you know, Jesus was our best example of humility and sacrifice. He faced the cross willingly knowing that I, we, did not deserve it at all. Um, but he willingly laid down his life. And so how does that look for me and my family? Um, it's hard. I remember sitting in the middle of the living room floor and I think Blake came home and I was the girls were toddlers and I was just crying literally crying like a baby I can't do this anymore the kids need me from sun up to sundown and he's out you know making a living and and all it's just very very hard but him realizing well me realizing I need to sacrifice that I, I need to do that but him realizing how can I come in and fill in those gaps and pick up the pieces that day for sure 
um, was so helpful to me. Well, and I think along those lines too, it's encouraging all of us. You know, we, we see this biblical principle of putting the interests of others ahead of our own, and we realize Jesus did that and all that. But, but I think it's also important to realize that we, we need to be filled up too. You know, and it's giving each other permission for that. You know, um, finding ways, whether that is, you know, let me take the kids for a little bit or whatever it is, but giving yourself permission to say, you know, if I am constantly just draining myself and giving, 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 and I'm never being filled back up, then sooner or later I'm going to have nothing to give. And, um, you know, that, I, I just, I think that's an important flip side to this principle of, yes, let's serve and be selfless, but figure out a way to get filled up at the same time. And I, I really struggled with this. Um, when I worked full-time and we had these twin boys at the house, I felt like if I was not working at the school that I had to devote all my attention to these twin boys. And I declined Bible studies and decided that I wasn't going to do anything. If I wasn't at school, I was just going to be mom. And I realized I, I needed to to give more to the Lord and spend more time with him. And in turn, that was helping my kids. And so I've made some changes um, with that and joined Bible studies that have changed my life and could never be more thankful to, to have that. Yeah, I think, you know, for me is, is allowing God uh, to move in my life, to, to grow me, that I can grow more mature in my faith with him. And where I've seen that a lot is like realizing you know, when my wife would express um, a challenge or a difficulty, my mind immediately goes to a place where I need to fix this. And where realizing what maturity does is realizing my wife doesn't need me to fix anything. She just needs to be heard. And she needs for me, for me to listen. And that was a valuable lesson for me to be able to, um, you know, not just have selfish ambition to see like, how do I do this? How do I fix this? But how do we approach this together? And how do I listen? And then uh, to, to kind of continue on with that is one of the challenges that we've had is um, through working all day and, and doing ministry is like when I get home, it was a source of comfort for me. And I just want to sit and a lot of times watch Sports Center and she would want to hear, um, you know, what's gone on in my day. And that, that's the last thing I would want to do was have to talk or rehash the things that have happened. Um, but the thing that I've realized is that she wasn't doing that to just know or just to talk. She was doing that because she wanted to be a part of my ministry. So again, allowing God to, to speak into me for me to be able to, to realize and have discernment of this is what my wife is trying to do um, and, and make those sacrifices and make the, that time so we can be able to, to be on the same page because she just wanted to be a part of what I was doing. Yeah, and I, and I love how we talk about a lot of this is, you know, between spouses or for your family and those types of things. But we also know that, man, our world as a whole struggles with this incredibly, like it's just a massive struggle. And so, you know, share with us a little bit, why is this principle of putting others before yourself, why is this so important in other relationships besides your marriage or just with your family? I think it starts, yeah, if you read, if you continue reading on, we left off in verse four, but the next passage in Philippians two is all about Jesus humbling himself, becoming obedient to death on the cross, and God exalting him as a result of that. So, I mean, that, to me, that's where it starts. You know? And I think about what would our world look like, how different would our families and neighborhoods and workplaces and all that be if we truly 
served each other and loved each other the way Jesus does. You know, he gave himself for us, first and foremost as a sacrifice for our sins, but also so that we can in turn serve other people and love other people. I think it would transform everything. I, I absolutely love just being able to hear these things. And, you know, again, as you know, we laugh about it, but as the single guy right now, you know, still seeing even more so this, the way that y'all treat each other applies to just anybody, right? How we treat anybody and how we love people. And, you know, talking about this of other relationships and how important that is for the body of Christ. What are maybe some examples that you've seen of people doing this in, in the body of Christ? Yeah, I think, you know, this week was such a prime example of that, of, of so many people in our community being without power and the ones that did opening up their doors to, to be able to help or uh, being able to, to lend a hand and go help with plumbing issues. And just one of the things that, you know, even before all this happened that we weren't even able to see the full extent of what happened was for the church being able to be the church and to, to we partner with a ministry called Our Calling uh, that's a homeless ministry in Dallas. And we found out that they're, operating costs daily while they were trying to help um, take care of the most vulnerable in that community was around $8,000. And the church was able to step and make that commitment to say, we're going to cover one full day of your, your operating costs and make that donation. And so the church being the church, um, you guys loving on your neighbors, loving on your community is such a prime example of what scripture is talking about. Yeah, that's been so encouraging to me to see. I've had people you know, how can I help? What can I do? And going and doing and helping. And I've had people call and say, if anybody needs a room to stay in, we've got rooms in our house. We've got heat and water. I mean, it's just been cool to see that at work. Well, and I'm reminded of uh, Charlotte in our church. Uh, she was um, in need of a kidney. And um, it as uh, days and months passed, she was in desperate need of a kidney and uh, seeking, trying to find um, a match, a perfect match. Well, Jordan in our church uh, went and got tested and found out that she was indeed a perfect match for Charlotte and that she um, uh, willingly donated uh, a kidney to Charlotte. And uh, even through the whole process, Jordan, uh, they had a job transfer, so they had to move out of state, but she still came back, did that transplant, and um, I just think that is just the body of Christ at work in such a practical way, and uh, Charlotte's doing very well. She calls that kidney the rock, and um, she uh, affectionately calls it the rock, and we hear updates on that all the time, but what a gift from Jordan to Charlotte. Uh, very practical way of how they love one another as sisters in Christ. And that's, I think, really where we want to, to, to conclude today is just with that encouragement and the question, what does this look like for you? You know, if you're married, start there. Start, start with your, your relationship with your spouse, playing these principles out. But beyond that, there are plenty of opportunities to love each other. There are plenty of opportunities to put the interests of others ahead of our own, to serve each other, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. As we said earlier, I know that's what's on all of our hearts right now. How do we help people around us that are in need of help? So um, great ways to apply that. Let me encourage you in this. If you haven't yet entered into a relationship with God, Taylor talked about the, the love that he has for us and what he's done through Christ through the cross for us. That's where you got to start. And so we invite you to respond today uh, in faith by placing your, your life in, in Christ's hands if you haven't done that. Uh, and we're going to pray together in a minute. You can just, you know, right where you are, just say, God, I'm giving you myself. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm putting my trust in you. 
that would be a great place to start. Maybe for you, a next step is to get connected to the body of Christ, to say, I need to get plugged in in some way. I need to find a, a small group. I need to join this church. I need to find a way to serve and give back. But whatever it looks like, we need to look for opportunities to serve and to put love into action. That's what true love is. It's a reflection of who God is, what God has done. And then once we experience his love for us and we have something to give to people around us. Let's pray together.